0: everybody i'm nicole i'm Lindsay.
1: and i'm sarah and together we're the co-founders of whale tales a living library of cetacean stories
0: today we're having a fun flipper fact off so sit back and enjoy as
1: we dive right in
0: la. fact off <laughs> fact off if you've seen face off Imagine I'm doing that action. (laughs) Um, Hello, listeners. You may be wondering, what is a fun flipper fact off? Well, the answer is, uh, we don't know. We're making it up. (laughs) Our idea was that each of us would come to the recording tonight with a fun flipper fact to share that we have not talked about on the podcast before and that we think is obscure enough that our co-podcasters will not either know it already is the ideal or will definitely be surprised that it is what we have brought. So we're trying to out fun flipper fact each other is ultimately what we're trying to do tonight. Um so we hope that we will learn something and we definitely hope that you will learn something and we ultimately Hope everything will just be fun and awesome. Because that's <laughs> what we try to do here. So Lindsay, would did you, you like to go was, first?
2: It was dolphin month?
0: Yes. Oh that's right. Yes. Also they're <laughs> dolphin related because it's dolphin <laughs>
2: month. <laughs> so did I did I miss that? It's dolphin awareness month. Yes. Thank you. And we love dolphin.
0: True. We do. Um, so there are also yeah. dolphin fun flipper facts Indeed. not any cetacean. Which um, I'm glad I remembered point, at Lindsay. the last minute when researching.
1: <laughs> Cuz here comes Sarah with those firm whale fun flipper facts. Um Yeah. But maybe we'll do more of these. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it'll be great. Maybe it I don't know. Won't. We'll find it's out. It's a science yeah. experiment. Welcome. We love science. I'm pretty excited about
2: mine. We love science. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um and dolphins. True, that's my yes. fact. We love
0: dolphins. Hooray! Yeah. <laughs> hey, that is not obscure, though. No, that's true. It's probably the opposite of that.
2: Okay, my fact is some. I'm gonna say what it is, and you're gonna say why is that obscure, and then I'll tell you. My <laughs> fun flipper fact is how do spinner dolphins spin? Ah, yeah. okay. Which sounds like it's something that we should know for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't. It took a really long time oh. to find this out. And also, it's not a question people ask on Google, which is weird. <laughs> I found two articles, one article and one paper, full paper. Hooray. Woohoo. Um, and then I got the the trivia fact that they can spin two to seven times. A million times. That's all that Google wanted me to know. And I was like, I already know this, Google. Um, (laughs) So it's weird. And then in doing my research, there was a pretty decent reason, which is they were unable to determine the exact mechanism because they couldn't observe the animal above and below the water at the same time Ah. until technology became a thing, which is, spoiler alert, the reason of how they spin. So... They had to use a mathematical model to figure it out in the first place. So it's not an easy solution. And w- although the twisting of the body, while well, airborne, has been proposed as the mechanism for a long time of how spinner dolphins spin, or dolphin spin uh, the morphology of the dolphin precludes the mechanism of the spinning maneuver, which is a fancy way of saying they think it's like how a cat spins, but it's not. They don't twist their body in the way that you would when you think of a cat flipping around. It's not that way, so the proposal that they had before 2006 doesn't actually match up with the physics of the spinning in the air. So what they found when they used the mathematical model and had the ability to observe underwater and above water at the same time is that it starts underwater. So spinner dolphins start spinning underwater using their flippers like wings as a barrel roll. And the movement is slow because there's drag in the water, which is how water works. So it adds a lot of resistance and they do about one to two spins per second. And then at that point, they enter into the air and lose all the resistance that they had in the water. So if you think about running your hand along a tub of water and then pulling it out, it's much easier to move. Mm -hmm. Which is how they They can start spinning super fast and can spin seven times per second. That's so cool. And then they, yeah. So the formal explanation <clears throat> from the paper, the mo- model was developed that demonstrates the angular momentum to induce the spin was generated underwater prior to the, le- the leap. Subsurface corkscrewing motion represents a balance between drive torques generated by flukes, by hydrodynamic forces at the pectoral fins and resistive, resistive torques induced by the drag forces acting in, on the rotating control surfaces. As the dolphin leaps clear of the air, the balance is no longer maintained, as the density of air is negligible, and a drive torque and a net drive torque remains, which permits the dolphin rotation speed to increase as much as a factor of three for a t- typical specimen, which is the sciencey way of what I just said about water, drag, they spin, and then once they move the air, then they just go fast. That isn't awesome
0: and i can already guess is going to be jan's favorite of the fun flipper facts because it talks about drive torque yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
2: um so i'll put the link to the full paper in there because there's obviously that explanation was from the abstract and it's got a lot of physics words like torque (laughs) um but when you read it all together it does make sense what they're trying to say uh, there's also a book from 1994, which has some good first drawings about how they spin in the air and shows the angular momentum, which is so important, which is why they were basically like, this is not what we thought it was, but we don't know what this is. It's basically how it went down. And then they just didn't do anything about it for 10 years. And then they're like, I guess we'll go back to these dolphins. I don't know. They're fine. They're not cool at all. Mm-hmm.
1: That's that was cool. Great. And like... Yeah, something that they definitely couldn't have fully proven until, yeah, they had the right kinds of cameras for underwater video.
0: So cool. Excellent fun flipper yeah, fact. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Excellent. Okay. I really would like to see them underwater doing that their barrel cool. rolls. Yeah. But I
1: feel like it would be like less impressive because like we've seen other like dolphins and whales and stuff do barrel rolls underwater and it's like, okay, twirly whales. <laughs> like it's just like a... yeah.
2: And it would be so fast, also, because they would do it, and then they'd be in the air, and you'd be like, "What just happened?" Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Now, question: Actually, trying mm. to take the research and extrapolate from it, um, does that mean that theoretically, if that's the biggest piece, is that the the motion of the horizontal spin begins underwater, and then the angular momentum as they Break the surface is what keeps them going. Mean that if any other aerodynamically inclined dolphin decided to try that, that then they could also spin like a spinner dolphin? Probably. Probably. But I think, like, they are
2: slightly different shaped Mm -hmm. than other dolphins. So that probably has a lot to do with it. But also, why just them? Like, there's a whole thing. Everybody also on Google and in all these papers are like, why, why, why? And I'm like, "Eh." it's for remoras, like everything else is they spin to get remoras off. But also there's so many other ways to do that. Yeah. So it's interesting that they decided to do this. There must be some other reason. Um, And another and why other dolphins, especially ones that live around them, don't try to do this. Yeah. Or maybe they do try and
1: it doesn't work. So then they. Like, you know, or they're not as good at it. Yeah. Because they're not as long and skinny.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm assuming, like, in my mind, they have a very bendy spine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have no science to back that up, (laughs) just my
0: observations. That is science, though. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You have observed them, and they are strange looking with bendy spines. Yes. Okay. Cool. (laughs) Okay. Sarah.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: Hit us with your fun flipper fact.
1: My fun flipper fact is about dusky dolphins, which I don't think we have really talked about them at all on the podcast, but... I don't
2: think so. More that they just look like legs. Yeah,
1: so they are... Well, they are legs. They are legs. Yeah, they're in the genus Ligericnus, same as the Pacific white-sided dolphins that we have here. Uh, They're the species Ligericnus obscurus, and (laughs) they're found... (laughs) um, They're sneaky. They're found... Uh, in the southern hemisphere so around new zealand um like south america south africa and a bunch of sort of other islands sort of all throughout there's three subspecies um and if you've been to or heard of the um dolphin tourism off kaikoura in new zealand though that it's um duskies and common i think there um but definitely duskies um which as Somebody who's done that and then been here seeing our legs was like, I'm confused. They look the same. <laughs> like at a glance, they totally look exactly the same. They are much darker
0: because um, they're dusky.
1: Um, so, yeah. my fun flipper fact There's a
0: lot of puns in your fun flipper fact so far. I like it.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, my fun flipper fact is about their foraging behavior, especially in. New Zealand, and um, Lindsay and Nicole know this about me, but you guys, listeners, might not, Um, is that I'm a big nerd about, like, oceanography and stuff. And so when I saw that in parts of New Zealand, they will forage in these things called deep scattering layers, um, which are, like, underwater layers, which I'll talk about in a second because they're super cool. Um, And so basically, this, they use their echolocation to detect prey at this deep scattering layer, which makes sense. So there's an article, it's just like a meeting abstract. Uh, there's not a full paper, but basically at this um, this underwater layer, the dolphins were there at about at one and a half hours after dusk, and the layer was about 125 meters below the surface. And then as the layer rose up to 30 meters below the surface, the, um, the dolphins followed that layer up which is cool because that means they're foraging right there. And the largest groups that form at these at this scattering layer happen when the layer is closer to the surface and then fewer when it's deeper. Um, so what is a deep scattering layer? It's so bizarre. It's so cool. So it, um, it was discovered with sonar. And basically, sonar operators thought that they were seeing the bottom of the ocean. It's like a false bottom or phantom bottom, some people call it, on their sonar. And then would think that there was like an island or land like floating in the ocean because all of a sudden the surface of the water would be at like three to five hundred meters instead of wherever it is Um, and it's due to the congregation of millions and millions of marine organisms especially small like middle swimming mesopelagic fish that have swim bladders and the swim bladders reflect the sonar and oh. that's why they thought Whoa. that it was the bottom of the ocean, because the sonar waves would bounce back. And it's such a dense layer of these fish that form. And so um the layer basically happens it's all these like mesopelagic fish that are filter feeders. And so they are deep in the dark cold um low oxygen waters to stay away from predators in the daytime. And then at night they go up to the surface, so that's di oh di deal or like yeah. So that, that's like the deal vertical migration, basically, as when the sun goes down, all these fish go come from deeper and come up to the surface to eat like phytoplankton that have been using the sunlight to make energy. And so they go up to the surface. And so because all these fish are coming to the surface, the dolphins go down to this layer and feed um, at this layer rather than anything in between. They just sort of go right directly to this deep scattering layer and um, also because they use their sonar. It's a really easy place. Like, obviously, they found it for the same reason that submarine sonar operators found it, um, because yeah, they can find the fish. And so they sort of individually or in very small groups will swim down to this um, to this deep scattering layer, and then they will sort of group together, like, form these um, temporary groups for feeding um, at this deep scattering layer. And in places where the deep scattering layer is deeper they don't do that or in places where they live in shallower places they'll feed during the day but in places where this deep scattering layer is sort of about that like perfect depth for dolphins um they'll feed at night primarily so that's cool, Oceanography, is cool. A little sonar history <laughs> all kinds of stuff i was like oh that's so cool um yeah so i'll put this article in the show notes or like the this meeting abstract in the show notes
0: okay nicole you're next So mine is also a foraging fact, but not about Duskies, though the title of the article does have a quick little cheeky nod to New Zealand. So the title of this article, full article, free for access to we will include that in the show notes, is Lord of the Rings. Mud ring feeding by bottlenose dolphins in a Caribbean estuary revealed from sea, air, and space. Ooh, space
2: and dolphins.
0: Space, space, Lord of the Rings, dolphins. This is uh, all of our nerdy centers just being activated in this one title. So the... Fun Flipper Fact is a really cool feeding strategy that I had never heard of before that bottlenose dolphins employ off of the coast of Florida. So uh, as with many interesting feeding strategies that we encounter in species, even though the species may be sort of wide ranging, they often develop unique feeding strategies for their sort of geographic locations That's the case here. So this is not something that's been observed with bottlenose dolphins anywhere else in the world. Very strictly, this happens in the Caribbean off the coast of Florida um, in an estuary shared between sort of Belize and Mexico. And at the time that this paper was published, which was in January 2022, um, this had been observed since 1999. So the first observation of this behavior was in 1999. Uh, and over the however many math years happened between 1999 and 2022, which I think is 23, if I can do math properly, <laughs> in the last 23 years, um, they've seen about 18 different bottlenose dolphins try this. So what they do is one dolphin... Just one singular dolphin will start swimming around a group of foraging fish. So typically mullet is what they've seen them do it with the most, but they have seen them try this with some other fish schools. And as it is swimming, it's a very very sandy bottom. It's an estuary, obviously, so very very sandy, already pretty murky water, um, and lots of turbidity. So as the fresh water and the salt water are mixing together in the estuary, um, there's lots of currents, lots of movement in the water. So uh, basically the dolphin 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 is using that to its advantage because what it does is it's swimming around the school of fish it starts fluking its tail underwater really close to the sand so uh if you have ever gone swimming in a sandy bottom lake or estuary or river or or ocean wherever if you've ever been swimming where there's sand and you walk you start to see plumes of sand come up as your feet are disturbing the sand or the substrate so the dolphin is doing that to confuse the fish so it swims in a circle around the fish fluking its tail really quickly really hard around the sand so that the sand all comes up in a big plume and starts trailing behind in the slipstream of the dolphin That's so, crazy. it's like magic dust. <laughs> this dolphin with magic dust. Um, and the then, once they've created, they've fully encircled the school of fish with this magic sand plume, which is also science and physics, then the dolphin can do a quick lunge through the plume, uh, like, whoa, here I am. Because the fish can't see the dolphin with all of the sand plume up in the water column. So they do their typical schooling fish behavior and get into a really nice tight ball and don't know where danger is coming from. And so then the dolphin just goes, lunges through with its mouth open and grabs a whole bunch of fish. Hmm. Sneaky. Yep. Yum. Sneaky, sneaky. Uh What's really interesting is that as the paper says, you know, there's these 18 different individuals who have tried this. Uh, It is a singular foraging behavior. One dolphin does the behavior and then one, that same dolphin, benefits from it. So this is not a cooperative foraging behavior. It's not sort of one dolphin doing it and then all of the rest of them lunge through the sand plume. Because the sand does settle pretty quickly. So it happens Mm -hmm. really fast. Yeah, Uh, that's my question. How long does this take? 17 seconds. What? Yeah. That's so fast. 17 seconds and the plume like the circumference of the circle there's my my math and geometry words coming back to me the circumference of the circle can be over 10 meters so they're not Um. actually swimming that far it's like they're really really getting the the fish into a very very tight circle surrounded by sand and then they lunge through and then yum that's so speedy so speedy so sneaky gotta love those bottlenose dolphins and uh the article includes some really, really amazing imagery because uh as in the title, you know, revealed from sea, air and space, mm-hmm. you the researchers were able to observe this behavior from their boat from drones, and then there's some really cool imagery where satellites can actually see the plume of sand Damn, in the so water cool. that the dolphin has created. It's really cool. Huh. Good there ones. we go fun flipper fact
1: so many fun Yay. flipper facts yeah.
2: nice so before we continue with the rest of the episode we want to take a moment to tell you about how you can support our podcast and everything we do at whale Tales.
1: you can join us by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash whale you can join for a dollar a month at the porpoise level five dollars a month at the dolphin level and ten dollars a month as a whale level patron
0: Each level comes with a variety of perks, including access to polls, discounts on our merch, thank you postcards signed by the three of us in the instances where we get together to do that, (laughs) access to extended interviews and stories with our guests, and we have to cut those for time, you can hear all of the extra cool stories they share. And you can even produce your own fun flipper fact segment of the pod. Plus, our whale-level patrons get access to a special Patreon-only podcast, Whale Tales Watches, where the three of us get together to watch a film or a TV show or some other kind of sort of fictional cetacean story and then talk about it. In our latest episode, we watched 90s hit Zeus and Roxanne. (laughs) So if you want to hear... All of our thoughts about Steve Gutenberg, who's uh-huh. much more, is that his name? Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Who's much more attractive than I remember him being or than he has any right to be. Um, but more importantly, if you'd like to hear what we think about a dog and a bottlenose dolphin being best friends, <laughs> you should become a whale level patron so you can hear all about it. Thank you so much to all of our patrons. You are amazing and we're
2: so grateful for you.
1: And if you aren't able to support us financially, there's still some things you can do to help us out. You could leave us a rating or a review on your podcast platform of choice, like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and that will help other people find the podcast. And you can also tell your citation science podcast-loving friends about uh, the podcast and about everything we do at Whale Tail so that they can join in the fun.
0: You can also follow us on social media at whaletales underscore org. And you can send us your feedback so that we can keep making the podcast even better.
2: Okay, so now we're going to do our whale tale. It's weird that we haven't done this before because this is a story of that all three of us were present for. But yeah. if we did, sorry. I and
0: don't now think you we did. You just get to hear it again. <laughs> I don't
2: think we did either. I went back and checked, but I'm like, this is an amazing story with all three of us. With so many dolphins. It's so perfect for dolphin month. Anyway, so in 2015, we all went to Maui and that was great. We tried to go whale watching. We didn't see anything. So we just had a nice day on a boat. So then we got to go back for free because they had a guarantee. And
1: yeah. So yeah, we were there in the beginning of December and, um, you know, had pretty high hopes of seeing something. So we went out on our return trip like our second sort of backup trip and at first we saw some humpbacks and we saw some blows and traveling not very exciting they were just kind of moving um probably looking for each other or you know mm-hmm. who knows what they were doing on a yeah. mission on a mission not jumping around or doing anything um and then we started seeing some things that looked like fish jumping and then they kept being in the same spot <laughs> and then it turned out <laughs> that they were dolphins <laughs>
2: Yeah, they were so small. Yeah. Um, So they were actually spinner dolphins, which we just talked about. Um, But they didn't spin, but they were super high energy and they were jumping and playing. And there was some tiny calves, which was adorable. And yeah, and it was exciting because there was a new species of dolphin for us. Yeah. Um, And a super cool one because I'm not biased at all. But anyway. No, but they were
1: pretty cool. cool. They were pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, they were super active, even though they weren't spinning. They were just super high energy. They, yeah. Um, we'll put a link to the story that has like pictures and there's some video too. But yeah, so they were like, they seemed to get sort of excited when the boat came over because they were bow riding and it was really, really cool. Um, but obviously, we wanted to go see some spin. <laughs> so, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah. So the three of us headed up to the bow, I think with probably some other people, but not that many people. Most people were like right on the side trying to get close up pictures. And then, um, the naturalist was telling us that they were spotted dolphins. We're like, no, they're spinners. And the naturalist was like, no, they're spotted. We're like, oh, <laughs> there's both. <laughs> we're like, no, I, I know what spinner dolphins look like. These are spinners. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah which, like, thankfully it's Hawaii. So the water is super clear. Cause if you look at like the coloration, even the coloration patterns, mm. they're very similar. Like, you know, like their body shape is different, which is the thing we just talked about with yeah. spinners and they're they're extra long bodies but yeah like from far away when they're all in a pod together they're they're still just dolphin colored
1: yeah like they're not commersons exactly and it's harder to see it so it's easy to see that the spottedness through the surface of the water rather than Mm -hmm. on this like when they're in the air just because of the reflection and stuff yeah Yeah, so we could they were so close and the water was so clear that we could see all of their spots and scarring and stuff it's it was so cool yeah um yeah Yeah, so the dolphins were staying, like, right with the boat. They were, like, super into it. Um, And then we'd seen some humpback blows. So the boat started heading in that direction. And then all of a sudden there were more whales heading, like, right towards us. So the boat stopped, obviously, because best practices. (laughs) And, yeah, so there was, like, whales in one side. And then they were like, oh, the dolphins are back on the other side. (laughs) So it was kind of chaos, but in, like, the best possible way. The best possible way. Yeah, Yeah. because...
2: Um, so there was some great humpback action with flukes and all sorts of stuff. And then we went to the other side of the boat and there was now bottlenose dolphins with the spotters spotted on the spinners. They were just all yeah, like all having a party, jumping, doing classic dolphin things. And I just remember like standing there like, what is happening yeah, in my what life is right my now? life
1: <laughs> What is my life? Yeah. It was, it was kind of like just, absolute madness of like seeing them all in like at like simultaneously basically yeah like exactly three species of dolphins and humpbacks like in the like if you did a lap of the boat you would see all of them in this moment it was yeah bizarre um yeah and it was super fun yeah so then yeah we watched them for a few minutes and then we headed back and it was definitely one of the highlights of a really amazing like friend trip to hawaii Mm -hmm. yeah
2: yeah and it was so nice that that it actually turned out like on a second trip because you always yeah. get nervous on that time. I've had good, good experiences on a return trip and not as exciting ones.
1: Yeah, but, yeah. Well, especially because definitely... like technically we saw them on that first trip, mm-hmm. and like a worse company could have been like, oh, we like, saw them yeah, in the distance, but it was like we saw two yeah. blows and like a tiny tail fluke. Like it yeah. was,
2: which yeah. is something that we also saw from land.
1: Yeah, exactly. Maui. Yeah, like yeah, we'd seen better humpbacks from land. <laughs> That yep. we saw on the boat. Yeah. Yeah. So getting to see dolphins was really super amazing, especially. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. we don't really see dolphins here that often. We see, you no. know, we can see humpbacks more often. But no, I haven't it, they're not as active here. Dolphins here. Yeah. No, me it's neither. For I man. will, except for killer whales. But yes, I haven't seen dolphin sized dolphins. Yeah. Dolphin dolphins. Doing dolphin things. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. So <laughs> sorry for holding out on this story for you for so long. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Check out these amazing pictures.
0: Mm-hmm. and
1: So Dolphiny. Now back to the rest of the podcast. Before we actually wrap up the episode, though, we just wanted to share a bit of a seasonal-ish call to action. Um, this one uh, reminded me of it because um, it's Easter season coming up. And there's a couple things that I always sort of have a... a in my body about <laughs> about easter <laughs> one is like the shreddy plastic stuff that you they put in easter baskets you can get a paper version please get the paper yeah, it's version so bad for oh. everybody yeah because it just uh. blows everywhere especially if you're like doing an outdoor easter egg hunt so yeah just go with yeah. like recyclable reusable growing up we had these like plastic like Hard plastic Easter eggs that we would just fill mm-hmm. with whatever, and then we would hide them. Out, or yeah, the Easter bunny would hide them outside for
0: us. <laughs> that is what the Easter bunny brings to our house, oh, yeah. and the Easter great. bunny has been bringing the same Easter eggs since James was born. Yeah. Oh yeah, right. no,
2: yeah, you just reuse the same
0: ones.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing, um, because I was chatting with a friend, um, at work, and they were like, "Oh my gosh, have you seen all the bunnies at the thing?" And I was like, "Oh, we should do that as a call to action." Not that I think any of our listeners would be the kind of people who would get a pet bunny and then release it into the park. But just something Don't. to think about, maybe, you know, have a if you're overhearing friends and family that are thinking about getting their family a pet rabbit or really any, like, pet as a gift. Like, make sure that you've done your research. And if you do have to rehome that animal, please, please, please do it in a responsible way, not just letting it in the park. Because it's yeah. just... They're not meant to be wild animals. They get there. They're food for coyotes. It's a whole thing. And that becomes a big problem. Yeah, that leads to other problems. And yeah, just they're pets and they should be either members of our home or members of somebody else's home.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's those are my That said, if you are one or one of our listeners, mm. uh, you or someone that you know and care about actually does want a mm. rabbit as a pet and has done the appropriate research and has kind of been waiting for the right time, maybe instead of getting one for Easter, mm. wait a couple of weeks mm-hmm. because local animal shelters actually do usually see an influx of rabbits that need to be adopted because they've been given as easter presents and then someone brings them to the shelter which is the right thing to do do do. if you are not ready to take care of a bunny um but if you are ready to take care of a bunny just wait a couple of weeks and there might be uh one who needs a really good new home adorable
1: bunnies yeah because bunnies are great my, exactly. My sister, they have uh, they have bunnies that live outside with their chick or they have a bunny that lives outside with their chickens and it's great. Yeah. Just, yeah. they can be good pets, but they are a responsibility that you need to do some research for. Yeah.
2: Yes, and bunnies and chicks along with all pets hmm. do not stay that size. No. No. True. True. true Just like children. Yeah. <laughs> they get bigger.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yep. They get bigger. So
0: be prepared. Indeed. Indeed. Great. Well, I think that about brings us to the end of our first fun flipper fact off. We would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Which fun flipper fact was your favorite? So please visit our website whale tailsorg and find links to our various social media handles so that you can drop us a line and let us know what you
1: thought. You can also head to our website to subscribe to the podcast, check out our merch, learn about supporting us and becoming a patron. And while you're there, read over 1200 whale, dolphin and porpoise stories.
2: That's whale-tales.org. Tales like the stories, not tales like the animal.
1: And if you see the a cetacean, we would love to add your story to our library. Click the share link on our website. You can contact us on social media at whaletails underscore org, or you can send us a voice memo and tell us all about your incredible cetacean encounter.
2: Finally, we want to acknowledge that we recorded today's episode on the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples and the Musqueam, Squamish, and tsleil waututh nations, as well as the homelands of the Tawasin First Nation.
0: Thank you all so much, and we hope you have a whaley great day.